When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The return of football is always worth celebrating, and Beer 52 are generously offering free beer to you while watching your team from the comfort of your own home. They're offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free. And all you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash chels and just cover the $5.95 for the postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members and they send a brand new case to you every month. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea and all over the USA and Europe. As a Independent British company, Beer 52, are passionate about the UK craft beer scene, which they continue to support during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option, and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine, Ferment. Don't worry, though. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com slash chels to get your first case of eight beers for just $5.95. That's beer52.com chels. Hello, everybody. And welcome to the Chelsea. It's the start of the new season. It's me, Andy Saunders. Ordinarily, I'd have my old Maka Kerry Levy with me. Um, but he, unfortunately, is in hospital at the moment, uh, recovering from some health issues. So, Kerry, if you're listening, uh, we're sending you all the very best for a speedy recovery. And uh, we hope you get back on the podcast soon. This season, we're going to try something a little different. We're going to be guest-based. Going to have a bunch of guests on. Um, and that noise you can hear is Bruce, I would imagine, who is the dog of old podcast favourite, Gary Hayes. How are you, Gary? Hi, Andy. Thank you very much. I thought Leon could have edited the dog noise out. I do apologise. But yes, I'm good. I'm glad. Well, I'm not glad, but it took a near-death experience for Kerry to get me back on. 
Yeah, I mean, I resisted it for years, but you know, I, I, I've, got, I've got no choice, have I? Here you are. No, that's not Hello. true. That's not true. Um, my other guest this week is uh, DJ Extraordinaire, who presumably has been flying around the Balearic Islands in a haze of music and love and dance music. Uh, it's Seb Fontaine. Is that true, Seb? None of that is true whatsoever. I've been absolutely nowhere. I've been DJing to my dog. I, I am finally getting out of the house. I've had two weeks of work. So I've, I've done about five, six festivals in two weeks. And the dog is really happy I'm finally getting out of the house. What's the name of your dog, Seb? Poppy. She's right next to me, actually, and I thought she might bark when yours barked. So this could be a very interesting podcast. Well, I've got two dogs as well, Calypso and Dave, um, but they're not here, so they won't be barking. So Dogs of the Chels podcast. We can make that a new new feature. Listen, guys, it's the new season next Saturday. Um, Have you paid any attention to Chelsea or have you been having a a sort of break from the whole thing? Seb, what about you? Have you you been keeping a weather eye on things or are you starting to get excited about the new season? Sometimes I find the transfer season, you know, the the, the holiday, I find that more exciting than the actual season. And I've been constantly, constantly looking at what, you know, the incomings and outgoings. But I'm sure we're going to touch a little bit more on that in the, uh, you know, in the podcast. But yeah, I, I am exciting. And I think one thing I would say, it looks like, you know, Ziek is absolutely on fire and might actually be like a new signing. So, um, you know, and I think at the moment we haven't got a lot to shout about, although I think it's probably quite imminent. Well, we're definitely going to have a, a look at some of the players and, and what their prospects are for the new season. Gary, are you still writing for people? Have you pivoted away from journalism completely? What are you up to these days? I've pivoted away from what I used to do, although I still write for Chelsea for the programme. Just did a... Um, we're launching a new um, feature in the programme called Tell Me About Chelsea. And we're speaking to former players to get their memories on different aspects of Chelsea culture. So the first one is with Canners. Oh, right. Which is going to be in the Palace programme because um, obviously he had history with Palace after what happened there with, with Nevin sticking up for him. But obviously now he's had a, a suite named after him as well, isn't he, at the club. So it was a nice one to launch with. So I still write for the club. But now I'm producing podcasts. Unlike this one. Well, give us a plug then. We'll, 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 give, we'll, we'll let you do that. So, um, we just make narrative podcasts. I just did one with the European Athletics for the Olympics. Um, just taking their top eight athletes from Europe. Um, head of the Olympics, telling their their stories, how they got there. Five out of our eight Olympi- um, yeah, five out of our eight athletes got gold in uh, Japan. So, it came out all right. But just, um, just different ways of telling stories, really. Um, just trying to do something different. It's very American in what we do because the narrative side is is very big in the US. It's not big here in the UK, but just telling different stories. Um, we look at them as as audio documentaries in the US. They call them narrative podcasts, which I guess still does what it says on the tin. But um, I've been doing a lot of work with Kerry, um, just working on some different projects that are non-sport. And I just got tired of talking and writing about Chelsea so it's good to be doing something different are you going to be getting to games this year I am I'm going on Saturday um so I'll be going to a lot of games this year I've I've completely removed myself from the the so-called professional as well Kerry always laughs because he gets to see me as a fan now but it did take a couple of years to decompress because I was really sick which I haven't really spoken about publicly but I was sick for a year um which sort of completely removed me from it and when I got better I just realised I didn't want to do this anymore. And I remember when we won the league at West Brom, when Batshuayi scored, um, I just, I didn't want to be there. You know, I was watching 
I, I wanted to be in with the fans, you know. And I just thought that's where I want to be. So it's taken a while, but now I feel like a fan again because I think that working in football for so long, being so close to it, seeing everything that goes on, it sort of just it kills it for you, you know. Well, I've been to a and few just... games with you. And a uh, very enjoyable experience. But I will say, Gary, have you, are, are you going to sing this year? Are you going to do any singing or are you going to stand there with your I arms might. folded? I might. It, depend, it depends how I feel. I haven't been to a game properly as a fan. But after the after the Champions League final, um, I went away for that weekend just to get away from everything. And um, I watched it in this little village pub with um, just uh, myself and a friend um, who Seb knows. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so she was getting into Chelsea with me, and um, and after that, that's when I was in buckets of tears. After, and I called Kerry, and that was when I first felt like a fan again. I know it's like Glory Hunter because it's the Champions League final, but that was when it first sort of. You sometimes need a bit of a, a, a sort of tipping point, don't you? A bit of motivation to kind of get you into it. What about you, Seb? You, you, did you get? I went to the Champions League final. Did you get there yourself? No, I was uh, I was camping that weekend actually. So I've got to say, when we go camping, we've got a trailer, we've got a sound system, and a little festival tent. So it's like having a you know when there was nothing on, it was the only way you were going to get a dance on in a field with all your mates. So, but he brought a projector, and we actually watched it. On a big screen, so it was pretty good actually. I, I, I was camping that weekend as well, Seb, but I was away in a, an old V dub camper. You should come camping with us, honestly. You, it's 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 really really good. We do have everything and the kitchen sink. We really do. Well, thanks for the invite, and uh, I, I will I will definitely <laughs> take you up on that, even though you didn't direct that at me. But um, you know that sounds amazing. Um, and are you going to be getting to games this year, Seb? Are you have you got a season yeah, ticket? Yeah, I've got my season ticket. Um, and actually, I thought I'd mention they've changed. Changed the West Upper now. They've turned it into some kind of halfway posh seating. I, I don't quite understand what they've done, but what they've said is this season we get it and we don't have to pay any extra for it. So all we can move. So I thought might as well just stay there and get the posh seating for free for a. It's called the West Upper Club, isn't it? Where I think you get a bar yeah. and I don't know. It just sounds like yeah, it looks like I a mean, load of old it, nonsense to me. But you know, it really does. But um, I'm definitely going to be missing. The first two or three games, home games, unfortunately, just because of work. I mean, I, I have, after the year and a half of doing nothing and DJing to the dog, I literally have accepted pretty much everything going from weddings, bar mitzvahs, christenings, festivals. You know, I, I just got to get out the house, basically. So I have got a, a, a manic, manic season, but it's, uh, I, you know, it, it, I think it will all level off after the summer. What do you make of the new um, rail seating? I think that's going to be exciting. Where is it? It's in the shed upper and lower, and in the Matthew Harding lower. I, I went to the uh, to the the Chelsea Tottenham Mind Series friendly last week. Was it last week? I think. And uh, my my um, nephew and my uh, and his dad uh, went along, and it, my nephew's first game. He's eight years old. And I got them tickets in the in the rail seating, and they turned up, and their seat didn't exist. Basically, they'd ripped it out to put rail seating in, so they kind of got there, and the stewards were like, "Nah, just sit anywhere, mate." It was absolute chaos, <laughs> and uh, which isn't a good sign for the start of the season, is it? It's going to be exciting, though. I think with the um, hopefully with the atmosphere because it's bringing standing back. I know obviously a lot a lot of people stood anyway, didn't they? But still, it's just. I don't know, hopefully it's going to bring back a, a different flavour to Stamford Bridge maybe and going to games now as a fan. Did you go to that game? Did you go to the Chelsea Tottenham game? No, I've, I've been completely removed from everything. I've just been so busy with the Olympics and I've just not paid attention to too much really, which I think is a healthy thing. I'd, I'd find, especially this, like, obviously there was no pre-season last year and this pre-season still a bit weird with COVID and everything else, right? 
and the Euros were just so recently, just needed a few weeks not to really pay attention. I've just watched the highlights and just not really focused on it too much. Yeah, I mean, it was a fairly pointless pre-season friendly, as they all are, and I don't normally sort of pay any attention to it. But, you know, it was just nice to go back to the bridge. I went to that last game of the season, the Leicester game, which was amazing, and I went to the Champions League final, and I went, I thought, I just like going to the bridge, so I'll go to this one. And, of course, you know, with my nephew, first game and all that. Um, but it was, a re- it was a really good atmosphere. It was a bit kind of League Cup. It was a bit like sort of kids and, you know, and you know sort of people who don't go every week um and actually there didn't seem to be any stewards and where i sit in the west stand lower there's a load of boxes behind us and there were just people kind of sitting on the sitting on the concrete bit of the you know sort of boxes smoking weed throughout the whole game and just like so it, was, it was like a it was like a lawless state behind me i quite liked it i kind of liked the kind of anti-authoritarian element of it back to when it was the benches years ago well it had that sort of vibe to it yeah it was like people just doing what they want nobody really caring I mean obviously all the miserable 50 year olds will be back you know for Crystal Palace so you know we, we won't have any of that but um, and, and obviously all the corporates but uh, yeah it was there was something about it. it it is really lovely to go back to the bridge after such a break I mean that whole kind of you don't really appreciate what you've got until it's gone am I, am I right about that yeah yeah I think you're right I'm looking forward to it Going to be, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm just excited. I know I've said it already, but I'm just excited to go as a fan, really, for the first time in in 20 years. Just really go properly as a fan. What are you most looking forward to? What what bit of the experience are you looking forward to most, Gary? Having a beer in the concourse and just talk and just talking about football to me and the person I'm with, without caring about what ev- anyone thinks or what anyone can hear and a deadline or anything like that, just going and can being just there as a fan and in the moment because that's the thing that I've missed so much. Immerse yourself in the moment. Yeah, exactly. And like I did a I did a podcast with my friend Karen. It was all about the smells. She, she does this series called The Old Factory, all about the smells of life and stuff. So I did it on, I did it on fried onions and all about the first um, ever Chelsea game I went to. Poor shit and fried onions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, you know, I don't even eat onions, but the smell of the onions of what it does. I don't know how you feel about that, but walking along Fulham Road. I, I used to do it when, even when I was going to games working, I would make sure that I'd walk all the way down to the, the main entrance um, past Bovril Gate because you'd just get that smell and it reminded me of being a kid and I did it every week and it's reminded me of going to games with my dad and my brothers and, and I've really lost that at some point and now I feel like I've got it back. Do you not eat onions at all? I, I absolutely hate onions. Really? Yeah. They're, oh, they're horrible. They're like, give you stinky breath. Do you know what I, mean? I just, I hate them. Hate onions and mushrooms. I remember when I was when I was younger. My yes, I mean obviously fried onions, obviously horseshit as well because of the police horses. But also, I think cigarettes. I mean, you still get cigarettes now, especially after the game where everybody lights up when you're coming out, and and sort of you know dodgy aftershave, Old Spice, and Brute. You know, there was that kind of like that, yeah, that real olfactory, as you say, experience. You're absolutely right, Seb. What are you most looking forward to? What as the experience? So Gary saying he wants to drink a beer and talk about football. How about you? To be honest, it, it's it's seeing people. I mean, I've had a very weird lockdown. You know. Uh, my missus is a teacher. She leaves for work at seven in the morning. She gets home at seven at night. You know, she's in bed by eight. You know, for months and months and months, I kind of saw a human for one hour a day. And I can't wait to see all my football mates. You know, there's quite a few of us all in the same area. I think there's about 15 of us. And I just can't wait to see them again and have a beer at half time. 
I, I can't wait to moan. <laughs> I can't wait to saying it's the wrong formation. What's he doing on the pitch? Only for him to score two minutes later. I'm looking forward to all of that. All of that normal stuff that we've had in our life for so long. And like you said, you don't realise how much you miss it until it's taken away. And I just want to see my mates. I want to see some football. And it, for me, it just wasn't the same on TV with the, you know, with the fake crowd noises. I really did switch off a little bit last season. Um, you know, unless it was a big game, I, I found it really hard to get into it. I don't know whether that was just me in lockdown or football in general. I just found it really hard. And, and, and honestly, having it all back, I'm really excited. Yeah, I totally, I, I totally get that. I think we all switched off a little bit. I mean, I managed to immerse myself in the games and it was exciting when Chelsea played. I didn't care about any other games, though. I found them very yeah, difficult totally. to watch. Um, you know, I guess I'm looking forward to exactly the same things as you. You know, I think that what people don't... If you're a, if you're a match-going football fan, it's very ritualistic, isn't it? You know, the whole process. I mean, for me, it's... Kind of getting up, going to the station in St Norman, getting the train, getting the tube, you know, maybe getting a bit of lunch beforehand, meeting some people, um, you know, watching the game. It's a real ritual on a Saturday. And when you took that out on my Saturday, I was I was a bit bereft, really. I didn't know what to do, even though, of course, it's not just Saturdays now. It's Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays or whatever. But that kind of ritual of going to the game. You know, I'm really looking forward to getting that back. So let's go. Let's have a chat about the, um, you know, sort of prospects for the new season. A big question. Can we win the league? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. So you both say yes. I think I'm going to say yes as well. Let, let's have a little chat about, about how we're going to back that up. So, so Seb, with you, what, what makes you think we can win the league? I think if, if we can get this Lukaku deal across the line, and I think it's looking like it's, it's imminent, um, I, I think he really is what we were missing um, I, I really, really hope. I know, I, I've, you know, I know it's all paper talk, and loads of it is just to get you on there to look at, you know, Google ads. Uh, I really hope that we're not going to get rid of Werner. I've, I've seen some things saying that he's. I, I just think he really does add something to our play, and he's so quick. And even if it's just forcing free kicks and his movement, but I just think. You know, we've always had, uh, you know, like, I mean, I, I got so bored. I was watching some of Drogba's best goals and he just bullies his way through defences and everything. And then we had Costa who did the same. And we, we've never we've never quite covered that. You know, Morata certainly wasn't that player. And, you know, and I just feel that it, although he was our second choice and we didn't get Haaland, uh, I mean, and there's no doubt we're definitely paying market price which is you know you could say is overinflated at the moment but there's just not that many amazing strikers out and not many game-changing strikers and I think there's only Holland, Lukaku and Kane they're they're the only ones really and I really do think he's going to add something and I think if we back it up with another really good defender I think you know Jorginho had a great great you know um cut and just and I just feel that we've got a really good team that was nearly there and you know, and we've got a great manager, and I just, I'm just, I've just got a good feeling about this one. How about you, Gary? Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to be negative because a striker's a striker, right? And Lukaku's got a past and a history and a record of scoring goals. If really, if someone just said to you, you know, whether politics and money wasn't an issue, I would take Kane over all three of them. But we're getting Lukaku, and it's better than what we had, right? Um, I just think that this team, the year of playing together, I think that um, Havertz struggled at times last year, but then he came good at the moment you wanted him to. He's had 
a little bit more of a settled period in England now. The same with Werner. You know, before we came on, we were talking about um, Ziyech. And, yeah, I think he came in for some harsh criticism last year because he hadn't played since March when he came to Chelsea, obviously, because of the, the Eredivisie ending. And then he picks up that knee injury against Brighton. So he sort of got off to a really bad start. And then you're playing in stadiums that are soulless with no fans. So I think it was hard for a lot of these players. And, you know, I always thought about young players like Havertz coming in, trying to settle into a foreign country, even though his English is impeccable. Um, but you're doing it in lockdown where you can't go and do anything, right? So you can't absorb the culture around you. You can't... I don't know how these players felt any affinity to Chelsea with the fans and stuff because they're not there having the songs sung. They're not seeing them every week. So for them to do what they did, I was impressed. And I just think now with fans coming back, I just see it only getting better for them, especially Havertz where... Um, you know, his combinations with, with Mount. I just think that Chelsea are building something that's really special. What I really, really hope the club doesn't do is if things go a little bit wrong, they don't just hit, pull the trigger with Tuchel, which we know they've done in the past. I just hope that doesn't happen. I know I'm sort of talking way down the line, but I just hope it doesn't happen because I think that we've got, you know, I haven't even mentioned Pulisic there. I think we've got an opportunity here where we've got this amazing young squad of academy products, but also players we bought in. And I just think that this season is a year on the back of the champions that they can really come together in the league. Cause I, I was doing the maths cause I did something for four, four, two randomly. And if we hadn't have dropped the points we did against teams outside the top six, we would have only finished a point behind city last season, which I think is incredible. Um, and I just think that with a year under their belt, I think this is a really good team. And, like I say, I'd prefer Kane, but Lukaku's not a bad plan B, right? And I think he'll, he'll score enough goals to win us big games when we need him. So, so there's a lot in that, and, and, and I think I pretty much agree with what you say. There's going to be a lot of winners out of uh, this season, isn't there? I think I think Werner's going to be... If, if Werner stays, I think he's going to be a winner because him playing off a, 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 an out-and-out goal scorer, I think is going to really suit him, take pressure off him. And I think that that's, that's going to work really well because we all know that Werner creates things. He's relentless. He's there and thereabouts. He will assist as much as he will score. So I, I, I'm like you said, I hope that Werner stays. But there's also going to be losers, isn't there? So what's the future for Tammy, do we think? Oh, he was done last season, weren't he? Poor guy. I really like him. But then the, Tammy confuses me because I don't know whether I like him because I think he's good or whether I like him because he's proper Chelsea, right? What, yeah. do you, what do you think, Seb? Are you, are you a big Tammy fan? Would you be sad to see him go? I'm hearing him linked with Mourinho at Roma at the moment. I, I am sad to see him go and I hope it's not another one that comes back to bite us in the arse, actually. Um, I, I, it's hard to know yet whether he is the world-class striker that a team like Chelsea needs or, but but there's something there too, I'm, and I am a massive Tuchel fan. So, and I just think you have to trust your manager. And you know, if he's not feeling it, I just think I have to go with him. You know, and just you know, I, I really am so impressed with our manager. And, and and like you, Gary, I just hope we have him for a long time, and he gets to build something. I know that's almost laughable when you associate managers and Chelsea, but you know, if there's something obviously he's not seeing there, or something he's not feeling, so you know, I just it would be nice maybe if we could have a little a buyback clause or something that if we do make that mistake, we might be able to get him back a bit cheaper than we are getting Lukaku back. It's very odd, isn't it? How he just disappeared, even when we were struggling, that he just disappeared. So I. I who knows what's you know what's gone on, or whether he just doesn't rate him at all. But like I say, I just, I just you, you feel an affinity to certain players, and sometimes they're not the best players. 
And I think that's what it is with Tammy. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, I'm also a big fan of Tuchel. Um, I, I'm not sure I was when he first came. I sort of shrugged my shoulders a little bit and thought, hang on, this is a guy that's just caused chaos wherever he's been and fallen out with the hierarchy at all the clubs. What's he going to do here? But I don't think you can you can help but be impressed with him. My fear is that he's ambitious. My my fear is that we're not as ambitious as he is, and that he ends up going to you know going go, going to you know one of these super clubs. I know he's been at PSG, but you know if he goes to Bayern or he goes to Real Madrid or Barcelona or whatever, that that's my fear. Um, I, I think he. But Barca and Real are old news. They're done. <laughs> they, they, they need the Super League they do don't they But rather than him being fired I'm slightly concerned about him going that's my there was an interesting quote I saw from him today actually um, it was Adam from Football.London he said it was a quote saying um, I'd been trying to find the right club with the right structure and somehow I found it at Chelsea someone like that he was saying that, chaos that, finds chaos yeah that, 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 that's me paraphrasing but, um, but I thought that was interesting because you know my concern is with him and I'm not comparing him because uh, Tuchel's pedigree is completely on the other end of the spectrum to Di Matteo but I just had this fear come over me in the summer where I just thought you know Di Matteo was gone by December after winning the Champions League and I just hope something ludicrous doesn't happen with Tuchel because you see you know Jose winning the title and everything just collapsed after and he was gone within six months and you know Conte lasted a year but that was a horrible season on the back of winning the title again and then obviously Di Matteo and I'm just hoping too cool because like you say Andy I wasn't a fan of him when he first came mainly because he wasn't Frank right to be completely honest but um but he's, he's certainly won me over. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is is all of those managers that you talk about, very emotional managers, Conte, very emotional, Mourinho, very emotional. Di Matteo, no track record, you know, sort of came in in some ways, you know, if we if we were being generous, you know, managed to steer and navigate, you know, the team to a Champions League victory, but, you know, had an awful lot of luck and, and, and you know, decent players along the way. But was he really, you know, at the kind of elite level to guide us through a sort of a long campaign? I mean, that would be the argument. But those other two, I don't think Tuchel's cut from that cloth. I think he he's he he has a professionalism about him that that seems to uh, override the emotional incontinence of, of 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 managers like Mourinho and Conte, both of whom I loved. And you know, when they when they were you know at their pomp, I don't know. My you know, what do you think about that, Seb? Um, I think. <laughs> I think that's half the reason I was quite... Well, not happy that we didn't get Haaland, but I always felt that Haaland would have seen Chelsea as a stepping stone to another club, and that always kind of grates to me. I, I kind of, you know, I I felt that with um, Courtois as well. You know, he was always, you know, showing, showing his ankles to some other club. Well, always Real Madrid. And that's why I'm really happy we've got Lukaku. I think Tuchel grew on me... He grows on me. You know, his press conferences are great. He's frank. He's honest. And it's just something I really like about him. And I just, I, I mean, I, I think the Di Matteo thing was slightly different in the fact that I think him winning the Champions League gave the club a massive headache because I don't think he was ever meant, he was never their manager for the long term. And then yeah. obviously when he won the Champions League, they couldn't get rid of him. And so I think that was a slightly different scenario. I think with Tuchel, they see... They see this man, and I think he's he he's well respected enough that big players will come. I think he's I think he's you know a square peg in a square hole, and I think you know if if the chaos of Tuchel and the chaos of Chelsea can kind of combine together, we could we could have something good here. He's got Guardiola's number as well, isn't he? Yes, well, yeah. absolutely. Um, and do we think that the crowd will now forgive him for not being Frank Lampard? Do you think they're over that now? Definitely. Yeah. 
definitely. I, 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 I think. Listen, everyone wanted Frank to do well, but there was definitely something not quite right, and there was definitely things. But you know, I think I think Tuchel has won everybody over. I mean, I, I, I don't know a single Chelsea fan who's not happy with Tuchel. How can you not be? You just won the Champions League. It's like I think if anyone isn't more than that, though, the style of play, what he got out of them straight away after a, a dramatic dip in form, and just the way he's kind of consolidated that team. He's getting better and better. He's getting the players again better and better and I just think I think he's won everybody over and like I said his press conferences are a, a joy there's, there's no massive salt there's no dark arts which if you'd seen Mourinho get sent off at Roma he got sent off yesterday in a friendly yeah in a friendly with three other players as well so you know, you know I kind of I don't miss those press conferences so for me I, I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm a fully paid up fan actually so I just think with Tuchel that um you know since he's come in, he played it very tight, but I like the wing-backs, and I think that's why he's got Guardiola's number, because I think when you look at Chelsea against Guardiola, it's always with wing-backs that we do well, uh, because they stretch the game so much that City like it being tight in the middle. But um, I just think with him that, with Lampard, I think that Lamps had this real, he really bought into this idea of it being this five-year project in the way that AVB did. And I think Chelsea liked that at first, but then when 200 million was on the table, it was suddenly like results now. Whereas I think, who knows whether Lampard would have delivered at some point, but, well, arguably he was, but I think Tuchel's got that pedigree to do it now because he's got that know-how now. And I think Chelsea are a club, as we know, that is all about now. So to have a manager that's, delivering right that that's all you want I'd, I'd like to see even if it's Tuchel or anywhere I'd just like to see someone be there for like five six seven years and really build something that's sustainable because I just think that it's great winning the Champions League and other trophies but I just think we could really dominate as well and I mean dominate in a way of you know bye bye Liverpool see you in another 30 years when you win something <laughs> which would be lovely listen let's just take a breather here and, and do a little ad break we'll be back after this And we're back. Uh, I've been talking about Thomas Tuchel and uh, our hopes for him. Who else should we be watching out for this week? We mentioned earlier Ziyech, obviously. What about Christian Pulisic? You know, he's a player that you know that, that that we know has the potential. We know he is an excellent player. We know he's of all the players in our team, the one with the probably the most explosive flair. Dipped a little bit after injury last season. Are we expecting big things off of him this year? Is he going to get a game this year? He should. I think. It's probably being replaced. At the start of last season, even though he was injured, I just thought our two, our two best players were Mount, and Mount still is, um, and Pulisic. But I think now it's probably Mount, Havertz and Pulisic. But I just think I just think he's incredible. I think he's an amazing player. And I think you see the way that he plays for the US national team as well, is that he plays where he knows he's the senior player there. And I think sometimes maybe a little bit in his shell at Chelsea because he knows what's around him. But I just think that when he's on it, He's so silky and he's so smooth and the way he just glides past players. And I know it wasn't last season, but the season before last, when we came back from, you know, and played that first period of lockdown football, he was probably the best player in that team with Mount. You know, you see like the way he broke free against City on the break and he sort of just roasted Mendy and then scored. And, you know, in the FA Cup final, it was really when he went off injured that we struggled and he was having such a good game, right? I just think he's a, 
I think he's a class player, and he's only what twenty three still. And he has, but he hasn't been going past people. That's the problem. And I noticed actually in the game when he came on in midweek against Tottenham, he was trying to go past people. So maybe that's been his instruction from Tuchel: is come on, let's just use you to your strengths, which is to take people on. And hopefully, we're going to see a little bit more of that, aren't we, sir? Yeah, I think him and Hudson Odoi needs to. You know, I mean, he's obviously a fantastic player that we didn't probably see enough of last season. I think those two and Ziet are really the, you know, those three players have really got to make this season their own. You know, we, we've talked already how last season was a bit of an odd one with no fans. And I'd like to see those three players because, you know, we've got a lot of games, a lot of competitions. There's room for everyone in this team. I know sometimes you see, you know, team team formations and people you know predict that people are going to fall off the map and you know maybe they should leave you know there are so many games we need all of those good players and I really want to see more from those three what's the formation we're going to play because if he plays 4-3-3 and we've got Lukaku in the middle let's assume that Lukaku's coming that leaves two spots one of which is going to be Mount and then you've got presumably Havertz, Werner, Pulisic, Hudson-Odoi You've got a bunch of players fighting over one spot. How's that going to work? Or is he going to change the formation, do you think, to accommodate more of those attacking players? I think he should keep the wing-backs. What I would love to see is um, Mount drop back and play alongside Kante. And then you have um, Chilwell. And... He loves Jorginho, though, doesn't he? I, I don't think he does. I think he's. I, I think he's played what he needed to play. I think that's why... And you know, this is a conversation that I've had with Kerry quite, you know, for quite some time, is that... Even though we won the Champions League, I still don't think we're going to see Tuchel's team until October, November time. Obviously, because he had, he's had a bit of a pre-season now, but he still hasn't had a proper one. But he would have been in that close, you know, that off-season, he would have been thinking about who sits where. Um, I'd just love to see Mount drop back and play alongside Kante. I want to just challenge backs. you a little bit on the Jorginho thing because he loves a double six. We know that. He tried to buy Jorginho when he was at PSG. He's raved about him. Jorginho's had a massive uptick in form. What makes you think that he doesn't like him? I just I just don't think that... I think when you see when he was there first time, he was rotating a bit with Kovacic and Jorginho and he sort of did it near the end of the season, but then Kovacic was injured, so he sort of stuck with Jorginho. I could be completely wrong, but I just think that for the football that he wants to play, I think he knows that he needs to turn possession and it's all about those transitions, right? And getting the ball forward quicker, which is what the wing-backs are about, the way Chelsea will play, not so much on the break, but they will turn teams quick and go in the way that we did against City in the Champions League final with Havertz's goal, where they seize possession in that space and then Mount's finding Havertz real quick, right? I just think that Mount sitting further, deep, a little bit deeper, and then that what that does is it frees up space in that, uh, you know, the, the attacking three, where you've got obviously Lukaku's going to start every week, right? And then you can start filling those spaces with Ziyech, Werner, Havertz, Pulisic. You see what I mean? It's sort of like it gives him an extra player in an area of the pitch where you don't necessarily think he's got one. I mean, you know, that that midfield could get very crowded if we if we're hearing rumours about Loftus Cheek coming back and being in the squad this season as well. So, what do you think, Seb? Do you, what do you think about formation? Well, I still think uh, there's probably room for improvement in the defence. Uh, I know we're looking at Kunde. He was only, what, 5 foot 10, 5 foot 11? Is that a concern, that he's a midget defensively? I don't know. So I thought Rudiger had a really good season and then towards the end he seemed to lose his head a little bit. But I definitely think we need uh, someone to join the defence, I think. About, you know, and I think we will get a player in the next week or so, I do. If Chelsea are going to go and buy players to 
to bring it. They they need to be buying players who they know are going to be an improvement on it. So you know, like you spoke about Rudiger there, Seb. I just think like you know, why why allow someone like Zuma to go when I think he's going to do a similar job? I don't think you know a player of Kunde's uh, level is going to come in and really take Chelsea up that much. Whereas I think you look at Lukaku, there, there can be a debate as to whether he's the right player, but at least you know. You're getting a player who's coming in to score goals, right? Yeah, but I would say that Kunde's coming in because he's a ball-playing centre-back and, and, and Zuma isn't, Rudiger isn't. You know, Christensen is, um, but maybe he's looking for a ball-playing centre-back to bring the ball out because you won't have one otherwise. Yeah, but then I'm just looking and just think that do, do you want too much of the same thing as well? You know, because Thiago Silva, I know we've only got him for another season, but he's good on the ball. Yeah. But he, he's good on the ball and, you know, Christensen's good on the ball. And do you need all three players to be that good in, you know, I, I think Rudiger's good enough on the ball. I'm not, you know, he's not Beckenbauer, but he's, you know, he's not bloody, Zuma is the weak link in that area, which is, and that's always been a concern. And we, we've spoken about that so many times before, right? I just think that you, when you're looking at bringing players in, especially as Chelsea are sort of, they, they're still transitioning this squad. It's what are you looking for? What, what are the qualities that you need to bring in? Now it could be that he just wants, three ball players, which is fine, right? But I just look in just think, what's what's the point when you've got capable defenders already? I think Rudiger, I think he's a good he's, he's a good defender. He's not an incredible world class defender, but he's a good defender and he has these moments like we saw again to go back to the Champions League final when he blocked the Foden shot and he sort of he's got this ability to put his weight, you know, his body in between the ball and the goal, right? And I think when it comes down to it, you need that. Whereas I think if you take someone like Rudiger out of that team for a ball player, do they carry that? Because sometimes they see themselves as being footballers rather than defenders. Or well, maybe you and play them you can... with Rudiger. Then who who are you dropping, I guess, but who are you dropping, right? You know, because then if he, if he's building his team around Christensen, you know, but maybe being the, the man in the middle, what's going to be either side of him? You know, but with Silver available, I can't imagine Christensen's going to be the main man, right? Um, obviously, you've got Aspi being on the right side of that if he's not playing him at wing back. I just think that, you know, if we're going to buy a defender... There is an element of, uh, you mentioned it, you touched on it, this this kind of ageing process that's going on with Aspi, Lonzo's probably going, obviously, Silva, you know, so maybe there is a, a sort of nod to the future. What do you think, sir? Exactly that. I think, he, you know, I think they'd, they'd like Kunde because he's an emerging talent, probably quite similar to Christensen. Funny enough, I, I've not been a Christensen fan for a long time, and I thought last season he, he really came good towards the end. Oh, yeah, I, I, because I, I really have not been a fan of his. And so I was quite happy to eat my words on that one because I really think he has been getting better and better. I mean, Frank obviously didn't fancy Rudiger and there was something going on between them. And I think when Rudiger came back, he made a massive difference under Tuchel. You know, and as is quite often the case, you get a bit of a springboard with a new manager and particularly a, a, a player that's been slightly on the sidelines has got more to prove and doesn't feel like, you know, whatever they're doing is, is coming to no good. Uh, and I just think, they probably just think Kunde is a, another one for the future. It might not set the world alight this season, but, you know, in, in another season or two, they, they obviously see him as a, a future world talent. But, you know, uh, you know, like all of these players, some do get there and some don't. It'd be interesting to see the pathway they have for some of these signings because, you know, I think that's how Chelsea have got to the point they have now with the squad where you've got so much dead wood there. You've got drink water hanging around trying to get a move. You've got Bakayoko hanging around trying to get a move. You know, you've got Barkley there and you start thinking of these players and you just think that 
what is the pathway? Because I agree with you, Seb. You know, maybe they're not looking at him to sign him for this season. He's sort of this this season will be a transition for him into the team as they're building. But we've seen so often that players are bought because they're available rather than because there's a plan for them. And I just think that with the defence, we know that this time next year it's going to need a lot of work because Aspie's a year older. Thiago Silva's not going to be able to do it, I don't think. But I think he'll be great this year, like he was last year. So it's sort of just like, what is the process there? Maybe they are thinking that, that far ahead. But There was a bizarre moment at the end of the Tottenham game when Bakayoko, uh, Kennedy... And, uh, you know, a bunch of other people, Zappa Costa, Barbara, I mean, they're all on the pitch. And it was just like, it was like, as I said on Twitter, it was like some mad fever dream, you know, where you're like <laughs> sort of transported back to the to some horrific game against, you know, some no marks that we lost with those terrible players on the pitch. I mean, Bakayoko just looked awful. He just looked completely out of his depth, you know. So maybe his level is a sort of, you know, slightly second division league in Italy or something. I mean, he's had, he's had quite a few loans that haven't worked out now. I mean, you know, there's other questions. I mean, where's Barkley going to go? Where's Ruben Loftus-Cheek going to go? And, you know, there is a point where you do have to sell a few players because I think having too many unhappy players who aren't getting games around the dressing room, it's not actually a good idea. And the problem is they just can't sell them, especially in a COVID market, right? They've just got these players that are on big wages that are going to command you know, big fees and clubs just can't afford them because they're not good enough. But just talking of Loftus-Cheek, again, this is the Tammy conundrum and I got to know Ruben pretty well when he was a kid as he was coming through. I'm still with him. I know I want him to succeed because it's Ruben. (laughs) That doesn't mean I think he's any better than what we got, but I just love it. I would love it if he had the opportunity this year and he really proved himself and became, you know, this great player in midfield like we wanted him to be. But now he's 25, you know, and it feels like... It's passed him by almost. You know, he, by now he should have two hundred appearances for Chelsea. And what is he in? He's probably not even past fifty, is he? He looked a bit leaner the other night when he came on. Um, he looks like he's lost a little bit of that bulk. I mean, his one of the big criticisms of him or concerns about him was his inability to finish ninety minutes. You know, because of injuries and stamina. And you know, if he sorts that out, if he if he's proving that in preseason, if he's looking fit and he's looking healthy, then, you know, he has all the attributes that Tuchel likes. I mean, he will, he can dominate midfield. He can pick the ball up. He can run with it. He can create things. He can score goals. He's, he's got everything. He just needs to put it all together. Yeah, he just needs to stay fit, doesn't he? Because I, I just think as well, like, thinking back to when he first came on the scene, you know, it was Rafa was giving him opportunities, you know, and bringing him in with Ake. And that goes back to, like, you know, 2013. So we're talking, like, eight years that he's been sort of hanging around and then... You know, Jose brings him in, and but he's, he's just started getting pulled from pillar to post by different managers who saw his size and saw him as being one thing, and then you know didn't play him in the position he should have been. And I think he really suffered from it, and then obviously he got that horrible Achilles injury, which he hasn't sort of bounced back from. But I just think that you know it's purely an emotional statement, but I would just love to see someone like Loftus-Cheek, you know, really be given an opportunity and prove himself at Chelsea. Let's have a chat about this crazy run of games that we've got coming up. So we've got a big week this week. We'll come on and we'll talk about Villarreal in the Super Cup and Palace on Saturday. But following that, we've got Arsenal, Liverpool, Villa, Tottenham and City consecutively. Not the easiest start to any season, right? Thoughts? I suppose you've got to play these teams at some point, haven't you? So, you know, you might as well get them out of the way. That's one school of thought. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, and a little bit of a baptism of fire and, you know, a lot of players trying to prove their worth. Actually, it could be quite good to get them out of the way early. Um, but it is it is quite daunting when you look at it on paper. As you said, we struggled against not the top teams. We struggled against the, the you know, for want of a better word, you know, sort of middling teams, really. That's, the that's pub teams. We, yeah. We struggled against them. So maybe every week being a cup final for the next six weeks, maybe that'll, you know, create some uh you know some energy in the team you'd like to play them when you've got a bit of um a bit of form going but then it's not like these players haven't you know had a massive break right you know mount and um i know chilwell didn't really play a lot, a lot for england but you know that they had a couple of weeks off and they're back in it now and so they, it's not like they've they finished in may and now they're coming back in late august right so they should have an element of fitness and form to them it's always a concern because if you if you start off where you don't quite get the results, it can define your season in a negative way where you're starting to play catch-up. And I think sometimes when Chelsea have to play catch-up, that does weird things to the psyche of the dressing room and the boardroom. And that's where you get these knee-jerk um, reactions, you know. But I just think the Tuchel's a manager who's savvy enough that he should be able to navigate this, right? You'd think so. So, Wednesday, the European Super Cup. Do you care? No. Seems like a bit of a Mickey Mouse trophy to me. Villarreal, who obviously the Europa League winners against us, the Champions League winners. I mean, I suppose there's some prestige in it somewhere, but it feels a little bit ZDS systems to me. I cared in 98 when there wasn't so much football on TV and so much football just doing the rounds. Yeah, yeah, when Poirier scored. Um, but now it's just sort of more of a hindrance where I'm just like, oh man, these guys have got to go to bloody Belfast to play a game when I'd rather them getting ready for Palace and integrating you know the, the European players you know from the Euros more and giving Silver just another few more days because although to us it's just one game in the evening that completely changes the way they train all week it changes everything the season starts now for them really doesn't it and it changes everything about the preparation so I'd rather they weren't playing it but then I guess just try looking at it logically. We're in it for a good reason, right? Because we won the Champions League. I suppose, I suppose if you're in it, you should win it. And I wonder if Tuchel's thinking that's another trophy that I can slam down on the boardroom table when I'm asking for a pay rise. You know, I suppose there's all that element to it. I don't know how he thinks, you know, whether he's, you know, prioritising the league. I mean, if he's got any sense, he'll put a strong but not, you know, huge team out there, I guess, wouldn't he? I couldn't help but think on Saturday... Thank God we're not in the charity shield this this year, well, yeah. and and I kind of feel the same about this. I just it's a distraction. I I mean, hopefully, I, the only thing, the only positive that might come out of it is a a bit of a team building. Everyone going on the bus and the coach and the, it's not one of your camping trips. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, but in terms of you know a bit of team building, I think that's about all we can hope from it. Really, you know, and a positive. I mean, but I, I feel very much like the champion. Uh, uh, the charity shield it's a distraction it's come a week too early and i could really just be doing without it and like you just be you know getting ready for palace the three o'clock saturday kickoff an old school kickoff to the season uh love it palace game at the bridge we're all going right seb's not i'm not i'm 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 at a festival but but exciting though right first first day of the season everybody's on zero points everybody can win it um, Palace, uh, they looked okay last season, but we should beat Palace, shouldn't we? Thing is, is, they've had such a weird turnover of players as well, and obviously with uh, Vieira coming in, who knows what they're going to be like, right? They're just completely. We should beat them. We should beat them, but it's just the unknown, isn't it? That do, do they have that? I know it's not a new manager bounce, but 
the unknown of a manager coming in where you don't quite know what, what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And they can sort of shock teams. So, so I, I look at them right now as if they're a promotion team. It's almost like we're playing Brentford on the first day where you're like, okay, it's all new for them, even though Palace have been around for a while and you just don't know what to expect. You don't know what Vieira's Palace is going to be. So I just sort of, we should win. I really think, you know, we're the European champions. We're at home. We've got an exceptional team. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's a banana skin, isn't it? And we've had a few of them against Palace. I think we're going to do well. I think it's going to be a great start to the season. And this is not me. I just think this could be like a, a 3 0 and a real, a really good springboard for Then we just lose every game over Christmas like we normally do. <laughs> um, listen, guys, brilliant. Let's have your predictions for, for firstly Wednesday, Super Cup. What do we think against Villarreal? Oh, okay. I'll go, for, I'll go first. 1 1 Chelsea to lose on penalties. Seb? <laughs> I'm going to go 2-1 win. Okay. I'm going to go 2-0 win. I think we'll just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll turn up and we'll just be a, a purring Rolls-Royce of a team that will steamroll a Villarreal with one eye on Saturday. So let's move to Saturday. Crystal Palace, first game of the Premier League season 2021. What do we think? Let's uh, let's go to Gary first. Well, First of all, what kind of game do you think it'll be? I think Chelsea are going to, try to attack and Palace are going to be really tight because Vieira doesn't want to lose his first game. So I think he'll just sort of try easing his way into the season. That's me saying that on the back of me saying that Palace are going to be the great unknown. Um, But I do think we should have too much quality to win it. Um, My logic tells me it's going to be 1-0 but Kerry's not here, so someone needs to do something ridiculous. So I want to say Chelsea 5, Palace 0. <laughs> Seb, over to you. I am convinced we're going to win by three goals. So I don't know whether to go 3-0 or 4-1. I'm going to go 4-1. I'm going to be really boring and go 2-0 again, because I think we'll just put in a professional performance. So people are still trying to find find their feet, sort the tactics out, sort the strategy out. But I think we'll have too much in the tank for Palace, and it'll be a comfortable win, and we'll... Start the season off with a with a good three points and a and a springboard into this crazy run of games that we've got. Listen, guys, thank you so much. Uh, great pleasure to have you on this first Chelsea podcast of the season. I'm sure you'll be back throughout the season. Just want to wish Chelsea uh, Kerry uh, all the best. We're all thinking of you, mate. Um, and we'll be back same time next week. Thanks a lot. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.